and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Um, why don't you go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 5? Ooh, wow. You just stretch your hands this way and say, help him, Lord. <laughs> wow, I sat, I sat here on Wednesday night on this stage. One of the things we've been praying for a long time now would be that God would make our hearts fertile soil. How many of you know you can throw seed on hard ground, but what it really takes is soft ground for seed to take root? Listen, seed that is thrown on hard ground is wasted seed. And so sometimes people ask me, I just don't understand how we could all walk into a room, it'd be the same Jesus, the same church, the same everything, but different expressions. Meaning, I don't understand how God can touch one person and not touch another person. It's the heart. It's there, there are things that happen as we go through life and as we maneuver through where our hearts become hardened. And what we're believing for and contending for and what I know is going to happen if you allow it is he's softening our hearts to receive. Yes. Oh, I got to stop. Pastor Huggard, can you just wave your hand? This is Pastor Huggard. This man right here, uh, he, he, was, he was one of my ministry school teachers. Can we just honor him really quickly? Him and his wife, they're here. One of the best Bible teachers I had, bar none. What goes into the ground doesn't stay what's in the ground, man. You taught us that. Wow. Thank you for what you did for us. All these guys you see up here that were a part of that story, thank you for that, man. Oh, we honor you. He's going to the mission field now, yeah? Love you guys. Soft hearts. I had to do that. It's important. Soft hearts. Matthew 5. And I just want to open up with Matthew 5, verse 6. We've been going through the Beatitudes. We started with talking about being poor in spirit. How many of you remember that? We have to remain hungry and thirsty. We have to hunger. We have to thirst. We have to keep our hearts in this place of not being content. We're thankful, but we're not content, right? We steward well what God gives us. We're thankful that we started here with 10 people, but we know that God wants to bring more. Not for the sake of just having more people, but because there's a dying and hurting world that needs Jesus. So what we know is we got to move out of the way. We got to allow God's presence to come and we have to steward, like watch, we contend for God's presence, but once he comes, we do whatever it takes to keep him here. Whatever it takes. This is a great principle for you because listen, the presence of God is not difficult. Ask, seek, and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. It's, it's simple. The difficult thing is keeping our hearts still long enough for him to stay. In a world that moves from thing to thing to thing, Notification to notification and busyness to busyness. The tension for us, what we have to learn to do is keep our hearts still. Learn to stay hungry and thirsty. As, as, as Jeremy so beautifully talked about last week, properly assigning value to the treasure. Learning that, that, that Jesus and the person of Jesus and his presence is worth more than anything. It's worth more than any money. It's worth more than any relationship. It's worth more than any ministry. You say, well, what do you choose, ministry or Jesus? Jesus every time. I'll lock myself in a room, and if it's just me and him, it's enough to shift the world. <laughs> so Jesus steps on this mount, and we've been talking about this every week, and he begins to, to preach a gospel that turns everything upside down. I was having a conversation, I think it was last week, and there was a discussion between a coworker and his boss. And I was having this conversation with him and he says, I, the, the person 
who's my friend, said I had to repent because I was murdering my boss in my heart. We don't think like that because sometimes when, when we get angry, we think we're justified in our anger and we don't realize our soul's deteriorating. Because you can't love something and slander it or, or speak against it. And so if the greatest commandment is love, then we have no right to, well, that's my right. You have no rights. We have no rights. As we get closer to November, you're about to find out. We're going to really hammer this down. But Jesus stands on this mountain and he begins to have this discourse. And in a day where everything was about outward appearance, Jesus is putting his finger on what's going on the inside. So he begins to talk about poverty of spirit. How dependent are you on me? Being poor in spirit is not about not having money. It's about realizing your dependency of him. That's right. It's realizing that without you, Jesus, I am nothing. Come on. I don't want to be on a pulpit if his anointing is not on me. Right. I don't want to be in worship if he doesn't come. Right. I'm not interested in singing songs. If I want a concert, I'll go somewhere else. Our people are good, but the band, there's better. No, they're the best. They're the best. My wife's like, what? <laughs> it's my wife. It's my wife. It's an insult. Y'all are too serious, man. Too serious. So Jesus begins to talk about being poor in spirit, which I think is important because our he starts with this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And he's saying, when, when you become nothing, then I can become everything. And what I want to hammer down, I want to talk about today is humility. Because I believe this is one of the, I've never, I've never spoken on this before, but I believe it's what God is saying to us right now. And so in Matthew 5, you get to verse 6, and he says this. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Not Florida, not the United States. If we were to remain humble, humble in spirit, like on the inside. So listen, we start in poverty of spirit. We start with, Jesus, without you, I am nothing. But what keeps us in that place of poverty of spirit is humility. How many of you know it's easy to start somewhere, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to end up where you think you're going? We start, I listen, I'm not impressed. Listen, I'm glad when everybody starts, right? When you start your race towards Jesus, I'm glad. But, but what impresses me is when I get around to Phil, somebody who's been walking with the Lord for a long time. When there's people that have been on this journey for a long time and they've been through stuff and they've weathered storms and they held firm and they've realized Jesus is my anchor, when they speak, I'm going to stop. I'm going to hear what they have to say. And in a world where everybody wants to be heard and everybody's got a platform, if you've got social media, you've got a platform, right? Now you're an evangelist. What Jesus is looking for is for people who would go low. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, this is important for us because Jesus goes back and forth and he's talking about this humility thing and he's wanting to bestow on us. And so we've come into church and we talk about choice, right? You have to make a choice. And the most powerful thing you have is a choice and a choice and a choice. But I, I've just learned that there's a more beautiful thing than choosing. And it's yielding. It's quiet because nobody likes to relinquish control. We all want to be the masters of our own destiny. That's why we're programmed to go to school and get an education so we can make more money, so we can look down on other people that don't make as much money on us, so we can be important in our own eyes. Not you. No, not you. Not you. This is what happens out there. But what I'm saying is God is calling us to a greater place 
where we learn to prefer. So we talk about loving one another, right? What does it look like for us to love one another? Sometimes I tell somebody I love you, and they look at me like, I'm you can't love me. Yes, I can. Like, if I'm walking with the Lord and the Holy Spirit is inside of me, he has given me the capacity to love you. Well, like, what about all my baggage? If he can love you past the baggage, so can I. That doesn't mean that we leave the baggage, because true love confronts, and true love calls up. But what I'm saying is we learn to love one another by walking in humility, meaning I have to go low. It doesn't matter who it is. I have to go low and not think myself above anybody else. So God, this is something that he spoke to me this week. God will send no one home empty except those that are full of themselves. And, and, and week after week, it's like I find myself up on this altar just, just praying, God, empty me. Even if it was God who filled me last week, I just want fresh manna. You know what I mean? Like, I want, I want what he has for me now. I don't want to live on the encounter of 2008 or 2010. Those were beautiful moments, and those are platforms, but I want to be broken and contrite to where, where, where God speaks. He knows, God, I'm going to take action to your words. I'm not just going to ask for another word without doing something with the last word I got. And so listen, this is so important because Jesus only, this, you know in the Bible, Jesus only described himself one time, like of himself. And he says this of himself, I am gentle and I am humble. This is the same Jesus that could have been healer, breaker of chains, king of kings. He could have said anything because that's who he was. But the way he wanted to display himself to his disciples was, I am gentle, I am humble. And so I've come to the conclusion in my life that God only has two dwelling places. He dwells in the heavens and in a humble heart. He's looking for a humble heart. He's looking for a people. Listen, I'm telling you, God is taking us somewhere. I, I just, you just don't even know. He's taking us somewhere. And what's going to be required are people that, that they become bridges. Like we become bridges for the broken. And when we allow people, like we, we just see ourselves as, as like a coin in God's pocket. Like, I just want to be in his pocket, just a coin, and like, whatever way he wants to spend me. You want to spend me at Walgreens, 7-Eleven, doesn't matter. I just want to be used. I just want to be a part of the equation. I just want to be a part of what you're doing. And so listen, this is going to require stillness of soul. A lot of times we equate great Christianity with loudness. If it's loud, then it's anointed. But listen to me. Bold faith stands on the shoulders of quiet trust. As, as you begin to trust God more, you realize it doesn't take shouting. It doesn't take striving. It takes alignment. It, it takes, is this okay? Listen, I'm telling you. As we become still, we begin to hear. Jesus, Bud reminded me this morning. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. It's like, we've got to become this way. This was the model, right? God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing? Not just on Sundays, but on Monday. I would reason with you, I would argue with you that what, what you do on Monday is more important than even Sunday. Because when you walk into this room, it's easy when you got flags waving and shofars blowing and people scream. It's easy. But on Monday morning, when it's 8 a.m. and you got to go to work and deal with so-and-so, 
It's in that moment when we have to align and say, God, what are you saying? How do you want to use me? How can I be on, on assignment? And so humility, humble, I want to read is this. It is a considerate, unassuming. It's gentle, it's mild, it's meek. The reason, I talked about this, the reason the zealots could not get behind Jesus, even though they were waiting for a Messiah, is because he came as gentle and humble when they were looking for a warrior. And this is the tension you face every Sunday. If you come to church for a ministry assignment and it comes before encountering Jesus, you will never get the assignment. You will become frustrated because Jesus does not care about your assignment. He cares about your heart. And if your heart becomes about the assignment, it doesn't even have to be ministry. It could be your life goals. If your heart becomes about your life goals instead of about staying connected to the vine, you become frustrated. And your heart becomes hard. It's all back to the beginning. Your heart becomes hard. And so we struggle with this because we look at meekness as weakness. We look at meek and it's like, well, no, I'm not going to let anybody walk over me. But then you got to look at the life of Jesus. And you got to ask yourself, how many times did he really defend himself? Look at Jesus. Was, people were talking about him all the time. And it wasn't good all the time particularly the religious people, but yet you see this meekness about him knowing that it's okay if people talk as long as I'm at the center of his will. Knowing that that humility, oh, humility is this. It is the dethroning of self and the enthronement of God. Like, well, I like me. That's fine. You can have you. But you can't have all of you and all of God. It's going to require a surrender. It's going to require us giving. And so, oh, baby, my, my TPT Bible, do you know where it is? There it is, yes. I got to read this. You want to turn to Psalms 131? This is David. I want to read this to you. It's, it's just so beautiful. This is David's heart. And this is, David writes this in a time where he's being accused by Saul of having bad motive. So Saul was accusing David in front of all of the kingdom that David was wrongfully going after the crown that was not his. It's, it's, it's false pressure. And so David finds himself with the Lord, and this is what he writes. I'm going to read it in the Passion, but any translation is good. But I just love this one. David says, Lord, my heart is meek before you. <laughs> I don't consider myself better than others. I'm content not to pursue matters that are over my head, such as your complex mysteries and wonders that I'm not yet ready to understand. Verse two says, oh, I am humbled and quieted in your presence. Like a contented child who rests upon its mother's lap, I'm your resting child and my soul is content in you. Oh, people of God, your time has come to quietly trust, waiting upon the Lord now and forevermore. Did you catch his heart in there? It's a prayer of meekness. 131, oh Lord, my heart is not proud. That's what the NLT says. My heart is not proud. It's like he's internally making a declaration. Hey God, I don't have to understand everything. Whatever you think I'm ready for, this is the problem. We want to put the cart ahead of the horse. Whatever I'm not ready for, my heart and my soul is content to be right where you want me to be. 
You see, like we did earlier, we made a declaration. He's making a declaration. My heart is not proud and my eyes are not haughty. It's like I'm not searching for anything other than what you want from me, God. And as we begin to pray these kind of prayers, here's what you have to know. The Lord begins to strip you of all motive. Listen to me, motive matters. It matters to God. Sometimes we can even get caught. You want to get into the nitty gritty? We, we can even get caught sometimes in saying, let's be thankful for the Lord because thankfulness precedes more. But if I'm thanking God for the more, then what's the motive? I've got to recenter my heart in this place where I'm thankful for the person and not just for what comes from his hand. I've got to find myself, listen, my relationship with my son would be broken if he was only thankful. I was laughing this week. We went, we went to Disney, and he's like, Daddy, you're a good daddy. I took him to Disney. You're the, you're the bestest daddy in the whole world. And I'm like, you're dang right, bro. Listen, I've convinced my son I'm a genius. We were waiting in line, and he'll ask me a question, and I'll answer it. And then he's like, Daddy, how do you know that? And I just go like this. He goes, you're a genius. So we're in line. And he, he, Destiny hears him say it. And she's like, why did he say it? I'm like, stop it. Let, it. let it live for like another six months. He's going to figure it out. But if my son were to only be glad with me when I gave him things, that would be an unhealthy relationship. Because what it means is I don't have a heart-to-heart connection with him. And so back, back to the motive, back to humility, we find ourselves in this place where Sometimes we think about humility in the context of just, well, I don't think myself better than other people because the reality is most of us, we don't think very highly of ourselves. But the opposite of humility is pride. And any person who's unwilling to come into a place to say, God, whatever is in my life, (laughs) it's about to step on some toes, bro. Anytime I get to a place where I withhold from the Lord and I think I can handle this on my own, this is pride. Across the board, anytime I find myself trying to maneuver and make things happen and manipulate, and I find that the last place I come to is his presence or the people he's put around me, I'm operating in pride. And this is what God wants to strip us of. Can I read you more, some more scripture? Listen to this. This is Psalms 37, 11. The lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. I want to read to you Matthew 18. I'm just going to give you some scripture. This is life. Matthew 18 says this. About that time, Jesus came to the disciples and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus calls a little child. I picture my Judah. They're asking him, who's the greatest? They're they're arguing. It's, It's like pride is welling up. Who's prayed for the most sick? Who's in the most alignment? Who's giving the most prophetic words? Who's doing the most? And Jesus pulls up a child. And he says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and you become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom. Did you hear that? We have lost childlikeness. We want to rationalize everything. We want to figure everything out. We come into every situation and we know how to maneuver But listen, what God is looking for is a childlike heart, childlike wonder. Like, I just just learn so much from my kids, man. I just watch them, and the Lord just teaches me. 
I just know that Judah doesn't go to sleep worrying. He just goes, all he wants us to do at the end of the night is to come and to pray with him and come into agreement. And he wakes up the next morning and he's completely content because he knows that he has parents who are going to take care of him. What does that look like in kingdom? How, how, much, how much is worry or fret going to add to your life? Listen to me. You will never get a moment back. You will never get a moment back that you have wasted trying to convince somebody of how great you are. You'll never get it back. And so Jesus is speaking to them and he's teaching them time and time again about humility. But I want to read to you one more scripture. Are you okay? <laughs> this really struck me this week, man. Matthew 23, I want to give you a second to turn there. I love the sound of Bibles turning. I know I can't hear it on phones. It's like, it's okay. We, I just, there's something about the Bible. Matthew 23, Jesus says this, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. I'm gonna read it again, man. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. But whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. This is a powerful scripture that talks about us going low and about us preferring. But the danger of this scripture is that we would find ourselves going low for the purpose of being exalted. The danger of the scripture is that we would fall into a pattern that says, well, if I do this and if I serve, then God will. Thinking that God will relieve us or, or he will save us from servanthood without realizing that servanthood is the high place. We see the high place. You, you see the high place if you want ministry as a microphone. And I would say to you, I dare you to go do it. Because what you find is the more influence God gives you and the more he speaks to you, the lower you have to go. You become the bridge and the gap between those that say, I don't know how to get there. You say, you walk on my back. And you, and you walk through restoration and you go low with those people and you show them the heart of the Father. And what God is looking for is more bridge builders. You are a bridge builder. If the people around you are only materials to get you to your purpose, you've missed the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is for us to, be, to see people the way that God sees them. To feel for them the way God, God feels for them. To be broken for them the way God is broken for them. And to allow yourself to get to this place where we do not get sucked into the American dream. And we don't think ourselves, we don't puff knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. It makes us bigger. That's the danger. I want you to read books and I want you to be smart, but not at the expense of a heart that is not broken before him. Right. Humility is the one indispensable condition for fellowship with God. So some of us, we have issue. We have issue going in. I talk to people all the time. I just don't have those kind of experiences and I just, I, I just don't. It's because we have yet not stripped ourselves. We're too much in our head and not enough in our heart. And I'm going to be honest, even in the charismatic circles, we, we get too, too caught up with assignments. And we miss the assigner. 
And it's like, God, what more can I do for you? And, and, and what God is yearning for is just for you to sit on his lap and to just rest in him. And if that kind of verbiage sounds weird to you, then I'm sorry. Because you've been presented with a gospel that requires no intimacy with the Lord. But the same relationship that I have with my little Judah when he comes on my lap and he rests upon me, I have to see myself like that with God. Because I know on the flip side of that, what is bred is Pharisees and Sadducees. People who do a lot for God, people who know all the regulations and all the restrictions on all the things to do, but their hearts are far from him. And so what happens when you know all the restrictions and all the regulations, but your heart is far? I'm going to tell you what, there's no power. You say all the right words, but no yoke is broken. And you get sucked into this vortex where you think you must do more and do more and do more. And then you're just left with a whole lot of doo-doo. It's a dad joke. I'm a dad. can do that now. I embrace it. Ah. Andrew Murray said this. I love this. He said, without humbling ourselves, there can be no true abiding in God's presence or experiencing his favor. Therefore, abiding is the key fruit of the presence of God. Humility and abiding. And if I'm honest, can I have five more minutes? If I'm honest, one of the things that, that we lose with the rapid pace of life that we live, how many of you feel like we live in a rapid pace? Like, it's not just me good. The, the danger of the rapid pace is we don't stop long enough to take inventory of what's going on in our heart. So like, by the time we realize there's something wrong in our hearts, we've already reacted and responded in wrong ways in many areas. Like sometimes like, well, I don't want to get the whole abiding thing, Geo. Lock yourself in a room and I don't, I could be doing, no. Because what that does is it strips you. Like it, you quiet your inside long enough to, for God to say, hey, you may want to take a look at that. He's so gentle. Like this image of God of being angry, I've just, I haven't, if you've experienced it, I just haven't yet. I know when I come to Jesus, he's so loving and caring and patient and gentle. And so we go into that place and we allow God to reprioritize. We, we don't wait until things blow up to then say, let's rewind. <laughs> we, we, we start there like, God, I, I want to be connected to you. I want to be abiding and I, and I, want, to be, I want to be a servant. And if we're just honest, we live in a world where everybody's looking to be served. Even in the church world, it's like everybody wants to be an apostle because their, their imagery of apostle is now I have lots of people to serve me. Which is a perversion because a true apostle comes under everyone and they serve everybody else's vision. And so Jesus in John 13, I'll land here because this is where you're going to catch the transformation. In John 13, Jesus is with his disciples and, and it talks about the love that Jesus had for his disciples. And in the midst of this dinner, this meal that they are eating, Jesus stands up and in a time where there used to be a servant that would come around and would clean the, they used to wear sandals, man, they don't got them J's, you know, they used to have sandals. And they would, 
they would wash the feet of the people. And in that moment, Jesus steps into a moment where there's no servant. And what does he do? He becomes the servant. And so he takes off his outer garment, which was a representation of his identity as, as Messiah, as leader, as teacher. He takes it off and he sets it to the side. And the Bible says he ties it, he girds a towel. And he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. And the disciples are appalled because in their mind, they're like, no, 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 no. We should be washing your feet. Like how? No. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you cannot be mine. And he makes this distinction. And then there's so much imagery in there. But I want you to see that one of the last things that Jesus did, the imagery that he wanted them to see is him as lowly servant, humble before the people that had been serving him for years. Not only did he wash the feet of John, whom loved him, and Peter, who followed him, but he washed the feet of Judas, who would betray him. Everybody's like, I just want to know how to change the world. I want to tell you. Find yourself a towel. Where's my towel? Give me my beach towel. Give me my beach towel. You take off whatever image of yourself you think you have. When I go to my prayer room, Jesus does not call me Pastor Gio. He just calls me Gio. So we strip ourselves of everything that we think makes us us. All the important labels and titles, we just, we just take, just Jesus modeled it. You take it off and you find yourself a towel. And if you really, really, really want to know what it's like to be Jesus, you find yourself a Judas. You sit them down. What is this? Let me make it real tangible. If you're a Republican, you find yourself a Democrat. Let me tell you, I just want to break the news to you. Jesus loves Democrats and he loves Republicans. He died for them. And so until you catch God's heart for that person, just don't post anything else about it. You find yourself a towel and you sit that person before you and you serve them. You buy them Starbucks. You do, you go, Jesus said that they ask you to carry it one, carry it two miles. You find, what does this do? It dismantles the argument that divides us. I'm telling you, this is the way of the kingdom. You say, no, 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 I don't care what you believe. I'm just here to serve you because Jesus told me to. And whatever division, whatever discussion dies at the feet of love and servanthood. It has to bow because nobody, I have no argument. I meet somebody that's different than me. I don't want to convince you. I just want to serve you. Like I'm just looking for people's feet. It doesn't even have to be, but I would love to find me a Judas. Because the Bible is clear that to bless those who persecute you. And so the moment I begin to feel by something in my heart towards someone, I'm like, I got to look, let me send them a gift card. It's so simple. In a place where we're like, no, 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 they're wrong, I'm right. And what you do is this, you throw the towel. And we make a point, but we make no difference. And you got to ask yourself, what do you want to do? You want to make a point or you want to make a difference? Because sometimes you can't do both. Your point has to die and be surrendered to make a difference. Oh, well, Gio, you're talking about like letting go of my standards. No. I'm talking about you letting God be God and the Holy Spirit do his work. 
we become humble. Listen, I'm just going to tell you in the next couple of months, there's going to be lots of opportunities for you to pick up towels. And you're going to want to, like, the flesh, the flesh is going to want to respond to that thing. I need to defend, and I must respond. And I want to say, remember me saying today, it's a trap. It's a trap. And I hope you, like, I hope the first thing that comes into your mind is my little beach towel. You're like, no, I'm not going to fall into the trap. I'm going to find a way to serve. Uh, My husband's acting some kind of way. I could only do that because we have a really great marriage. We find a way to serve. And we don't fall into the trap. And what happens is unity is breeded. And we begin to see the walls of division break. And when the walls of division break, we begin to see transformation. Well, Gio, how do I know if I'm spiritually mature? I'll know when you're washing the feet of your Judas. I'll know. You'll know. You'll, 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 like, you'll think this. I would have never done this six months ago. Like six months ago, we would have been fighting. But the Holy Spirit begins to turn your heart. Is this okay? This is tangible. And I believe uh, we're going to stand and we're just going to pray. Let's do that now. Let's stand. What we're going to pray for is very simple, and it's not going to be, I'm not even going to call the band up. We're just going to pray that God would show us opportunities. You're going to have to pray for eyes to see because pride blinds us of opportunities to be humble. So, like, you're going to have to pray for eyes to see things differently, and it's going to require a shift in your heart because when you live a certain way for so long, it becomes nature to respond a certain way. So, so like this week is important because you're going to feel that. And I'm, what I'm going to pray, what we're going to pray right now is that the Holy Spirit would give us the grace to respond differently. That we would see new fruit. So would you just come into agreement with me, Father, right now. In Jesus' name, we're asking God that you would make us a humble, lowly people. God, make us poor in spirit. Make us those, God, that see others not only see dysfunction or see problems, but that we would see them, God, the way that you see them. God, I ask for every person opportunities to wash the feet of others, all in our jobs, in our homes, in our communities, in our churches, God, that you would make us a people who we would not be more concerned with our agenda, but that we would find a towel, that we would tangibly find ways, find ways, Father, to to display your goodness, and your love, and who you really are. God, I ask that you would send us, show us who the, who's that Judas that we keep running from. And God, I believe through humility and through acts of love that those people will come to Jesus. Yes. Yes. We're asking, God, that through love, that all the walls, all the hardness of heart, and that all that stuff would be broken down. Why don't you pray for the person next to you? Just put a hand and just, just pray right now and just bless them and say, Father, I just ask, Right now, God, that you would bless them. God, that you would be with them. That you would bless their marriages. That you would bless their homes, God. That this would become a DNA of our church, of our tribe. That we would walk in humility, God. We asking, God, that you would bring wholeness to the earth. So, God, through humility, we ask that this would be our inheritance. That the walls of political division, 
that the walls of, of, of complacency and apathy and of perversion and of lust and of pornography and of adultery, that they would be broken down through love, through love, that you would be seen, Jesus. Some of us, we've been asking for strategies on how to win our kids. We grab the towel. We grab the towel and we serve. And this becomes our new avenue. Teach us, Lord, how to live in John 13. Teach us, Lord, how to, how to become these kind of people. Father, we ask you. We ask you for transformation of heart. Wow. Empty us, God, so we can be filled with you. Empty us. Empty us of all ulterior motive. Empty us of all pride. Empty us of every pursuit that is not from you. Empty us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. I love you guys. Hey, listen, I just want to say I love you guys so much. It's such an honor to run with you guys after Jesus. You guys are amazing and incredible. And can you just this week just come expecting God next week for him to do something incredible on Sunday as we come together? Yes, go ahead. Always. Go ahead. Hey. Um, hi, church. Hi. I want to speak to something that your Pastor Gio said been on my heart for a long time and I know this is a safe place so I just want to remind you guys I know the world is crazy right now I know there's a lot of tensions first of all I want to tell you it's going to be okay yeah. God's got us all right yeah. it's going to be okay yeah. but I want and I'm, I thank God that I live in this country I thank God that I live in a democracy where I get a choice about where the country goes but I want to remind you guys that democracy is not a creation of God. It is an, in, an invention of man. Yeah. Some of us are fighting fights that aren't, aren't ours. Yeah. We're taking up arguments that aren't God's. Yeah. You know? It's a privilege to be in a democracy. But we don't worship the democracy. We worship the creator of the universe. It was so much bigger than who leads the, the, the small country of the United States of America. Yeah. That's all I have to say. God bless you. We just pray that the Lord keep us centered, yeah? His voice will lead us into all truth. And we're going to need it. We're going to need it more than ever this next season. Amen? Love you guys. Go give somebody a hug. See you next week, 1030. Uh, Saturday for Eric at 10. Love y'all.